Turn, if you will, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We're in a series uh, called It's Time to Grow Up. Finished the book of John. And so in between this summer, I thought uh, we would talk about spiritual growth and uh, maturity. And where are you in that process? And uh, it's time to grow up. Now, today we look at, and here's a key term, uh, uh, when are you going to grow up? And that word when, I'm, lay, I'm really leaning on the word time element. Would you do something right where you are uh, as you're giving your offering? Don't want the notes to distract you, act spiritual, like you're writing notes when you're evading the offering. No, I want you to write down uh, somewhere, put on your hand if you don't have paper, how long you've been a professing Christian. Now, if you don't know, you, you, you could settle that today. But, and we're not talking about dates. I knew the day. The, about how long have you been a Christian? Okay, you, are you writing that down? Okay, write that down. How many of you have been saved uh, three months? Okay, yeah, three months, good. Anybody here saved over, uh, let's see, uh, three years? Okay. Uh, anybody here saved over uh, 20 years? Oh, man, we got them all over the place. We got apostles. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, anybody here saved? This can't be. Nobody here has been saved 40 years. Good night. Look at this place. I mean, uh, anybody say 50 years? I mean, uh, anybody say 60 years? Now, uh, if we were to dress you today according to your spiritual maturity, how would we dress you? Would you be in diapers? Would you have a bottle? Or would you be a strong Christian? <laughs> I don't see anybody. Yeah, that was for my 70th. I had my picture taken. Um, did you know that many churches are nothing Pastors are voted into a nursery ward. People so old in God, you have to part their whiskers to give them a bottle. They've been saved for other, forever, and you're the fourth preacher they had, so don't unpack too quick. Because we know how to get rid of preachers. Do you know the books of the Bible? Do you know what Romans teaches? Don't ask me that, but I won't miss one congregational vote because I love to vote. Do you ever vote God's mind? What's God's mind? I vote my mind. Uh, and the church is full of uh, spiritual babies who've been saved 10 years, 20 years. And uh, why? What's going on? And so when do you grow up? 
how long do you need to be saved to uh, grow up with mature behavior, mature habits, whatever that looks like, and uh, look at Corinthians, and he says something uh, that's interesting. He starts explaining the cross as foolishness to those that are perishing in chapter 1. To those being saved, it's the power and the wisdom of God. So the same message, two responses. The Jews want signs. The Greek says, uh, this isn't sophisticated enough. This doesn't match Socrates, Aristotle, and the, uh, the Acropolis. Uh, and yet those being saved, it's the smartest thing God ever did. It's greater than creation that he would find and pay for man's sins on a cross and save. It's the greatest thing in the world. The Jews said, hey, he didn't do enough signs. We would have bought him as Messiah, but he just didn't do enough signs. Do a few more miracles, we'll consider. Uh, that's why if you get hooked on God having to do a lot of miracles, guess what? It's a sign of weak faith, not strong faith. Some folks that always have to have God prove himself so they've never grown up. They've never learned to just take God at his word. So he goes on and he begins to tell you chapter 2 that God has revealed himself in spiritual words. He's talked to us what you can't figure out with your eyes and your ears. Uh, not talking about heaven. He says God has revealed to us what God's revealed in his word. But then he says, uh, let me tell you three different responses people have to his word. Verse 14, chapter 2, look at that. Everybody look at that verse with me, okay? Let's see what it says. I'm using an ESV, so here we go. The natural person does not welcome the things of the Spirit of God. Just, just doesn't embrace them. For they are folly to him. Now watch this. And he is not able. He's totally incapacitated. He is not able to understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Apart from the ministry of the Spirit of God in them, just as facts, just as ink and paper, just a document, they don't get it. There's a veil. They, they have a natural uh, distaste for it. They don't get it. Uh, it's okay. It's literature. Let's read a few psalms. They don't get the message of the cross especially. The natural man, he just doesn't get it. Take this over. If we preach this to the philosophy department of Cal Berkeley, do you think they'd vote me in? I don't know if you would. As weak as the amen. It's, it's foolish. Bunch of rubbish. You can't build empires on a crucified Messiah. You can't build anything getting killed. It's nonsense. And so, Paul's audience, he knows them. But then he says, there's a second kind of person, verse 15. The spiritual person judges or discerns all things but is himself to be judged by no one. I think he can judge the truth, but others can't figure him out, okay? Then it says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But notice now, listen, but we, 
have the mind of Christ. Who is the we? Believers, right? Okay, now there's two opinions about what the mind of Christ is. Let me give you two views, then I'll give you my view, which is the right view right now. Uh, one is we subjectively, in regeneration, when God saved you uh, in the spirit or however you'd want to say it, we got the mind of Christ. That it's just part of the new birth DNA, as it were. And so subjectively, I have the mind of Christ. That's one view. If you follow the flow of chapter 2, he's talking about God has given us revelation. God has revealed things to us that the Jews couldn't figure out, the Greeks couldn't figure out. He has revealed himself in words, 2.13. So as I understand it, the mind of God has been revealed in words taught by the Spirit, and they've been written down so that right there is the mind of Christ. Right there. I've got God's breath. And I've got his mind, what he thinks has been written down for me in words taught by the Spirit. And I have the mind of Christ in that I have his mind revealed in words and written down. Now, subjective stuff come up when someone says, I have the mind of Christ, and he's led me to tell you to give me your car. And I do have the mind of Christ, you know. No, 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 no. You have covetousness. And you're looking for gullibility. And in Jesus' name, get behind me, Satan. Here's the mind of Christ. So if someone says, I've got the mind of Christ on it. Well, what is it? I don't know. Uh, got any chapter and verse? What's the Bible got to do with it? I've got it. No, you got a disease. You don't have his mind. The mind of Christ has been revealed in words, and we have it, and the spiritual discern those words. Isn't that wonderful? Now he deals with the third category, verse 1 of chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you. Wait, wait. I, who, who's he talking to? Joe's pool hall? Who are the brothers? He wasn't into Huey Newton and Berkeley and, hey, bro, bro. No, no, no. The New Testament uses bro of the regenerate. Born again, folks. We say bro a lot, you know, but no, Paul doesn't use it that way. Brothers, born again people. People with the Spirit in you. People that Christ died and purchased and regenerated and sealed and put His Spirit in you and blessed you with all these spirits. You brothers, beloved of the Lord, watch. I wanted to talk to you as spiritual people. Well, how else do you talk to Christians? Like brothers, like people who have the Spirit, right? You folks aren't thinking that hard. I want some antiphonal feedback. No when to feed. I know you're guilty. 
Church is a good place to be guilty. You ought to come face to face with God. He wants to remove that guilt, but he also reveals it, doesn't he? I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Hey, we, we, I, I'm, you Corinthians, I can't talk to you as people of the Spirit. You, you've been saved long enough. I led you to the Lord, but I can't talk to you about the mind of Christ. I can't talk spiritual things to you. You don't get it. You, you, you just don't get it. He goes on. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now, what's he talking about? Just maturation. Nothing more beautiful than a baby and a, a nursing mother. It, it's normal. It's natural. It works. It gives them their start for life, gives them immunity. Nothing like it. I think of our granddaughter. She was born a little underweight, jaundice, and all like that. Uh, my daughter's been nursing her for six months. We've got to get her on Weight Watchers. I mean, this girl is laying it on. Mother's milk is doing the job. Beautiful. We get the pictures. We get this, and we hear the baby, and we, we get the blow-by-blow, five-day-a-week report on how Annalise is doing. And mother's milk and nursing, is, there's not a more beautiful, intimate scene among human beings. But if Annalise was 18, something's wrong. Something's got to change. You see, at its time, Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted like a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. That's the idea. And so he said, I I fed you with milk, not solid food. By the way, milk is a food that somebody else digested. Yeah, that cow eats all that grass, and the cow does the work, you get the product of their digestion. Sounds gross, but it's true. Mama does the digestion, right? She has to watch what she's eating when she's nursing. She does the digesting. She does the work and produces a product that the child takes in, but they couldn't break down the vegetables, the meat, the potatoes, the milkshakes, the sundaes, the potato chips, you know, the healthy stuff. Uh, No, mama does that work, and the baby gets the product. Now, Paul says, I gave you digested food. I gave you doctrine that godly teachers, gifts to the church taught you, and and that stage, it was normal, it was fitting. But you're not even ready yet for solid food, for you are still of the flesh. Wow. Now, when it says of the flesh, he made a list of what the flesh acts like in Galatians, and it's all sin, sexual immorality, drunkenness, uh, rivalry, 11 personal, uh, mad, jealousy, envy, uh, strife. I mean, the flesh is never endorsed as something good. You see, we're not under the power of the flesh. Uh, it doesn't reign over us. 
but it remains in us. And it's there to lurch on us, and it has got a hold of these Corinthians some way. I, I mean, they're saved people, calls them brothers. Uh, I fed you. You're old enough in God that we ought to be going on, but instead, you, you, you can't move on. You're reverting. You're back here. Matter of fact, the flesh characterizes your behavior more than the fruit of the Spirit. Does your Bible say this? What's the Bible got to do with it, huh? Do with it, do with it, do with it. We need Tina to record this. Well, he said, give me some proof. For a while there is jealousy and strife among you. Well, you don't know any churches that have been in church fights, do you? Churches don't fight. No, they don't. It's just their members. And they love to vote. Oh, they love, because they're democratic. Vote on everything. And do you think they vote with the Bible? Or do they just vote their opinion? What's the Bible got to do with it? Years ago, we used to always be in constitution revisions. One day I told the board, I don't need any more constitution. I'm trying to get somebody to do the Bible. Don't write any more bylaws for me. He's trying to get somebody to obey this constitution. You want a constitution? You got the New Testament. There's the New Testament constitution. I can't stand that. I make an order. Robert's Rules and Order is inspired. Oh, rubbish. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human or acting like you've never been regenerate? Uh, Let's uh, say a few things here. Uh, Last week, we said information with application brings what? Brings transformation. Truth without obedience leaves you immature. James said, why are you hearers only and not doers? You're like a man that sees his dirty face in the mirror, but he goes on by. He never washes his face. He never cleans up. He just said, I look good. And he's off. And so he said, information that many of you, I've seen people who claim lots of information. They know more about the book of Revelation than anybody else in here, and they still haven't been transformed. Truth without application leaves you immature. And you keep giving yourself credit. I need more knowledge, more knowledge. You haven't done the knowledge you've got. Obedience, a little bit of obedience is worth a ton more than a whole lot of knowledge. Now, if your obedience keeps up with knowledge, Peter said, I want you to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. A good way we'll know you're having spiritual growth, you'll become more gracious. When Jesus came, what did he bring? Truth and grace. Moses brought the law. Jesus brought truth with grace. Well, let's walk through here. Let's get with it. Information without application. Number one, truth practiced over time produces maturity. But it's truth that's practiced. It's not, hmm, I know a lot. Well, I'm an Arminian. Well, you can't even spell it. What's Arminian is? 
I'm a, I'm a five-pointer. Whoa, shoot. You're probably, you don't have any point. What, what do you, like I said, a lot of these guys use PowerPoint. They have neither power nor a point. <laughs> well, we got a PowerPoint today. We get some points. Uh, just debating all kinds of stupid stuff. But you don't know how to show compassion. You're not gracious, and you don't build up the body. So please be quiet. Information without application is worthless. And the world just disdains us for it. They call us hypocrites. You don't do what you know. Right? Right. Uh, Two, living by the flesh versus the spirit will leave you immature. If you're still depending and acting out from fleshly influence, you, you just won't grow. Let me give you a description of believers that don't grow, how Paul describes them. If we could, we would look at Hebrews that compares there that I wanted to tell you more about Melchizedek, but you become dull of hearing. Uh, I need to feed you milk, not meat. You've been saved long enough that you should have become teachers, but you need to be taught all over again. For the one who goes to meat is one who's had his spiritual uh, faculties exercise, practice, uh, so that he can make discerning decisions between good and bad. And the word bad there is worthless. He can make sound judgment. He, he's applying truth to life, and he makes sound judgments. But those who are just on the milk, they don't make any judgments. They don't know how. They're just takers. They're just takers. But he said that mature believer, they can apply the word. You know, we have people in this church I hear consult Ouija boards. Uh, I hear we got people in this church that uh, their life goes on a horoscope. Uh, what are we consulting witches and witchcraft? I hear the prophets say, will not our people consult their God? What am I doing consulting witches and voodoo and devil worship? We got people when they're in stress, stay at the happy hour too long. And when they leave, they're not happy, they're just drunk. And dangerous. Uh, we got people taking anger management courses. They, they, they're still angry all the time. Can't get over it. Uh, we run into it all the time. We got guys that have to have a hit on pornography every day just to keep the marriage enriched. You know, looking at naked women helps your marriage. Ask your wife about that. Yeah, they're in the church. They're in the church. And what's going on? Why, why are they reverting to this stuff? That's fleshly. An unsaved man would do that. I thought we had the Holy Spirit. I thought we had the words of God. I thought we had all the help we needed to live the Christian life. Do, do we have enough help? Well, four things I would see that characterizes uh, this person. Their diet. Milk, when they should have been saved long enough, they ought to be on meat. They should have been practicing truth and have discernment according to the Hebrews passage. So their diet. Uh, that's why many churches, uh, the diet is constantly pablum, constantly. You know, if I listen to some of you, all I'd ever speak on is how to have a good marriage. As soon as I get through with it, let's go through that series again. Wait, wait. Uh, you know, the Bible wasn't written all about how to have a good marriage. 
You could have a good marriage and still go to hell. What about the cross? What about salvation? Now, it makes it nice when saved people have a halfway decent marriage. Right? You don't need the Holy Spirit to have a good marriage. Believe me. You notice how quiet it gets. Nobody going to breathe heavy. Because you know you're in the middle of something. You've got to time your spats. You've got to time them. I remember one year, when I first started this church, Carol and I got in a spat, and she wouldn't submit to the Word of God, <laughs> which was me. And uh, it was winter. It was January. I remember it. And uh, we got in a spat. I thought, well, I'll show you. So I, I get up in my shorts, and I go to the front room and, and lay on the couch, but I didn't take a blanket. A January, you know. And uh, so I thought she'll repent. Because I even walked out the door slow, like, come on, baby, say it. Come back. And all I could hear was good riddance, good riddance. May you freeze. Words I never thought I would hear. I'm in there. Like that, I thought, I'm not going back. I'm going to tell you, 45 minutes of freezing, I went back. <laughs> she thought I was sorry. No, I, was, I had hypothermia. <laughs> I went back and, oh, didn't try that one again. We bought electric blankets. Uh, the spats, the, the, oh, y'all go through it, have those times. But the spirit in a marriage... So, he will change a marriage. He will change you. But their diet. Two, they're dependent. They're depending on the flesh and not the spirit. I, I hate it when you call a believer, you're a fleshly person. You do more things that come from the flesh than the spirit. How would you recognize someone that was a spirit person? The, the spirit, I know this. He's got nine steps at least. I, and when I'm walking and keeping in step, love, joy, peace, gentle, goodness, you know, self-control, faith. On, I know it's going to be somewhere in those realms. But when I act fleshly, whew, anger, temper, I mean, the whole, the whole gamut's open. So, um, they're depending on the flesh, and that's why the behavior. Uh, two, or rather three, they're dependent on teachers. Um, did you know that from 300 A.D. to 1500 A.D., let's round that off, that Bibles, Bibles were anchored in cathedrals, and, and you couldn't own a Bible. You didn't own a Bible for over a thousand years of church history. And you couldn't read the Bible because uh, unless you're the priest, you don't, the Spirit won't teach you anything, dummy. You're a layman. And by the way, we're going to talk to you in Latin, dummy. 
You don't own a Bible. You've got to go through a priest, and we're going to talk to you in another language and wonder why you don't know what God has said. Any of you here own a Bible? You better thank God for the Reformation. You better thank God for William Tyndale. You better thank God that he said every plowboy in England deserves to own a Bible. Do you read it? Do you know it? For a thousand years, us poor laymen, and I think we still want it that way. We want a middleman in a preacher, priest, pope. You tell me what God says. God says, I want to talk to you directly. I want to talk to you out of this book with the Holy Spirit. It's enough to make you know what I'm saying. I'm not dependent on all these preachers. They're telling what they're liable to do. Let them all backslide. I have spoken clearly, and my spirit knows what to tell you. Now, I gave gifts to the church, so don't kill all the preachers. He did give gifted men. But you see the Word of God, but you get, I'm dependent on the, what the pastor says. I'm dependent on what the Pope says. I'm dependent, dependent, dependent. When has the Spirit of God shown you anything in your morning devotions? You were just reading this book, and the Spirit lit up the room in your heart. And you said, I get it. See, I know because the greatest teacher of my life was a fourth-grade educated Okie from Cherokee County with one eye and a fourth-grade education. And us boys know we lived with him. The boy had faults. He spanked the daylights out of these older ones. Thank God he's wearing out by the time I came. But God did some teaching and learning and repenting. He did a lot of failing, lots of failing. And as the baby, I heard about a lot of those failings. He would he would confess, I blew it here, I blew it there, I backslid over here, and I hear all of that. It'd break my heart. I didn't want to hear it. He'd tell me. But then he started quoting this book, quoting this book. Now, he made a living climbing steel. He didn't get paid to pack a Bible. He loved the Word of God. Some of you, what your problem is, you don't love it because you haven't been born again, for you would crave it like a baby craves mother's milk. 1 Peter 2, 2. But you've been eating the cotton candy and the garbage of the world so much, you lose all appetite for what's wholesome and good. Our people watch too much TV, and their mentalities reflects it. They think like the American culture, which is morbid, immature, and infantile. You can't have great thoughts and watch much TV. Y'all have to crack a book somewhere. You'll have to learn something. They, then their fourth characteristic is they despise believers. Isn't that interesting? These fleshly Christians don't like other Christians. They're jealous of them, or they're, they're in strife with them all. The, and the jealousy is they want what they have while they despise them for having it. So probably material goods, position, whatever, but it's jealousy, and that can go all over the board. And then he says they're full of strife. Uh, you'd be amazed at, at how many issues people fight over in the church, and none of it is over the atonement. 
None of it is over great theology. It's uh, nursery, choir, how loud it is, the lighting. Uh, I didn't get my donut. You know, heavy theological issues, things that you build the church on, donuts. Or, or, or you didn't shake my hand. Well, what about if you were going to the stake? You wouldn't be worried about your hand being shook. Miss Touchy, Brother Odious, the touchy-touchy crowd, always touchy. And you just, you know, someone said they're like a porcupine. They got a lot of good points. You just can't get close. Come on, that's profound. If you can't get that, you're dense. Oh, they're, they're right on everything. They're right on everything. That's why the church is holy wars, because God tells folks everything. Even when they're wrong, God told them. You're not questioning, are you? Oh, I questioned as soon as you walked through the door. What has the Spirit taught you? Could, could you quote me a verse? Just give me a verse. One verse. I don't care how many pews you jump. Quote me a verse. And tell me a verse you've been practicing this week. How many of you did your assignment last week on compassion? Go, raise those hands. The rest of you just disobeyed. Because I told you to do it. James told you to do it. Well, I didn't think you meant it. Did you think James meant it? Well, I, you better give me a good sermon. I won't be bad. You think that's going to change your life, hearing a good sermon? You can go to hell under good preaching. I've preached to men in this church that have gone to hell that never believed the word, attended 10 to 15 years, and they still died without Christ. I know. It's doing the word, believing the word. Well, uh, a prescription. This is so simple. Pardon me for the simplicity. If I... If you came to me as a pastor and said, well, how do I get over this stunted growth? Number one, I'd say get right with the Spirit. He's the only one that can teach you. He's the only one that can subdue the flesh. So if you're grieving him, if whatever sin you're doing, uh, get right with him. Confess it. Two, uh, uh, just refuse to do this fleshly behavior. Call your gossip sin. Call your jealousy sin. Call this strife in you sin. And just, uh, I'm going to refuse the works of the flesh. It, it, it produces death in me. Thirdly, I mean, it's, uh, we talk about, it's called repentance. And it's hard to get adults to change their behavior. But repentance means God will produce enough sorrow in his own to get you to change your mind. He said, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation, not to be regretted. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Godly sorrow. Have you ever had a habit in your life that the only thing that changed you is God made you have enough grief that you had to cut it out? Sure, sure. That's God's love towards you. That's why I don't think believers get away with much. The unsaved can get away with it because they don't have anyone to be grieved. When you're a believer, oh, my. You, you, what can you get away with? And you don't want to get away with anything that displeases your Savior, right? 
Um, and so you repent. And then, this is so profound and brilliant, start practicing the truth you know. Start doing. Jesus said, the man that built his house on the sand heard these sayings of mine, but never did do them. The man who built on the rock heard and did. He practiced it. See, I'm just telling you, don't be just sermon dependent. Don't just be teacher dependent. Be obedient to God's word. It's God's word that we're going to be evaluated by, right? The preachers won't get to judge you. We're going to be being judged and evaluated. Well, let me give you a little assignment. Why don't you pick a time and a place next week? Uh, I'm just assuming if you've been fleshly, you've been out of it, you've been retarded in your spiritual growth, uh, start with a place uh, to at least read the Bible and ask God to let you have understanding. I would say two good places to start. I would read a psalm and maybe a proverb a day. There's 31 days in a month. Maybe pick the day of the month to read a proverb. You know, if it's a six, read chapter six. And, that, that, and pray for the wisdom, the wisdom there. Do a psalm a day. And what I would do with the psalm uh, is do what the psalm says. If it says, uh, praise to the Lord, forget not all of his benefits. <clears throat> you say, oh, boy, that's good. Let's keep going. No, why don't you stop and do that? Well, well that mean, you're, you mean you, you, you're asking me to do something? Well, it would be nice. You quit atrophying. Uh, praise the Lord. Forget not all of his benefits. What benefits? Well, he saved you, didn't he? That's pretty good. The majority of the race have never been saved. Do you ever thank you for that? Uh, he let you get up that morning. Not bad. Go to a hospital and be confined to a bed for two weeks. Just others do the psalm as you read it. Uh, this poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard me and delivered me from all of my troubles. For you have been a shield and a refuge to me. For the Lord is a refuge for those that are oppressed, a stronghold in the time of trouble. For those who know your name, put their faith in you. For you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek your name. Why, Lord, you never have forsaken me. I've never been ashamed when I've trusted you. You've always come through. I'd like to thank you about that right now. Because when you're starting all over again, your brother blank. You don't know where to start. Why don't you let this psalm book just guide you on what to say? And quit saying those same rubbish prayers. No, 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 no. Pray what he prayed. This is an inspired hymn book, an inspired prayer book. And most of you don't know how to pray. Especially if you've been carnal, if you've been fleshly, you, you forget what to say. Why don't you just follow what the psalmist said? Oh, let me see here. Let's see if we can. Well, let's see if this applies. I just, uh, this is verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Lord, I've been struggling with purity. Uh, pornography's been knocking at the door. This good-looking chick's been looking at me. And a man as good-looking as me needs to look back. 
and, and you're going all that garbage in your mind. He said, Lord, I'd like to be pure. And you said your word will help me be pure. Lord, would you cleanse my heart, take out lust, take out adultery, take out fornication, take out a wandering eye, take out a flirting eye. Oh, Lord, cleanse me according to your word. That's verse 9. Don't do this. How can a man do Yeah, I have my devotions. Oh, honey, get it in you. It's not you being under the Word. It's the Word in you. When you get it in your heart, he'll start finding more gunk in there than you really. You've been living with the junk so long, you feel at home with it. Let this book search you. It's a critic of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. It will critique you. The Spirit of God is that stupid. He knows your sins, and he knows your scheming, and he knows what you're about. Do you want to be clean before God? This book is his mirror, his x-ray. Oh, search me, O oh Lord. If there's a lion down in there ready to leap on me like it did on Cain, for there's a lion, Cain, and it seeks to devour you. Oh, Lord, I'm capable of anything. If you don't kill the lion before it has some more pups, I'm going to be dead. Please kill this lion of lust in me. But we take this Bible we treat it like a rabbit's foot, and we, we rub it a little bit and dedicate our TV and put the Bible on it, the family altar, Bible on the TV. You don't read it because we could see you don't look any different. You look just like the natural men in this area. You talk about what natural men talk about. All you talk about is sports and money and sex and women. When are you going to get your mind on the things of Christ? When are you going to talk about souls going to hell, marriages in trouble, girls being raped, boys being sold drugs, kids going to hell in our area, and you're still caught up with sucking your thumb as a big baby Christian? All about you. Me, me, me. Why do we ever have to beg people to serve in this church? Because you're a baby. You're a baby. Do you want to be waited on? You don't want to wait on. See, babies, they, they have to be waited on all the time. Hush. All they do is eat and sleep and cry. Huh? And there's some in the church. All they do, sleep, eat, and gripe. You're not serving me good enough. What do you serve in this church? I eat donuts. And the quality's been poor. It's like what my dad used to tell about a, a poor a farmer that would never feed his family. And so uh, this is a, in the times before law, so the men decided they would hang him. This happened. My own dad's people, they'd hang a man. If you stole their saddle, they'd just hang you. There was no law. This was Cherokee Strip in the 1800s. And so uh, this one man, he just wouldn't feed his family. Uh, either laid up drunk and never do a harvest. And so the wife and kids were starving. They said the best thing to do for him is just hang him. And so they were all, they had him tied up in the back of the wagon and, and they were taking him out to hang him. And on the way, they got to feeling bad. And, and they said, you know, we could help out. And all of a sudden, they said, yeah, we could. And this one guy said, you know, I could give him a bushel of corn, 
I'd get them through the winter. And the other guy said, yeah, that helped. The old man, he rose up in the back of the wagon and said, is it chucked? And they said, no. He said, keep driving. <laughs> keep driving. Some of you don't deserve as good a church as you attend. That we wouldn't exist based on you. There's 20% of us, we pay the bills. About 20% of us do all the service. And you come and you get a nice place. And every once in a while you hear us talk about money. And you kind of break out and chills up and down your neck. And it's not the Holy Ghost. Those are called guilt bumps. And the rest of us keep having a feast doing the will of God and saying keeping a lampstand in Pagan Bay Area is worth it all. Because someday I'm going to see Christ and I'm going to see every kid I try to reach, every kid in BBS, every a widow we fed, every kid we try to show the gospel. Someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I said, I didn't sleep during the harvest. I did as much as I could and I hope to make a 70th birthday still doing it. Because this God is worth serving. Well, two... Write out and share the gospel with someone. This is your assignment. Do you know enough about the gospel to lead someone to the Lord? You ought to write this out now. Could you lead your auntie, your uncle, one of your kids, one of your grandchildren? Do you know the gospel? Well, I've been in church. All. No one's ever asked me that. That's why you've never led anyone to the Lord. You don't know it. How can you share it if you don't know it? Tell me what the gospel is. And don't say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, write that out. This is your homework. Now, next week, we'll start the sermon with the homework, okay? You'll turn it in, and you'll be graded for eternity based on the homework. Don't be under pressure. Three, uh, have you been baptized since you professed faith in Christ? How many of you have put faith in Christ, but you've never been water baptized? Raise your hand. Well, this is a dunk crowd. Okay. Because if you put faith in Christ, I use baptism because it seemed to be the immediate thing in Acts they did uh, to test profession, and it was costly, of course, many times put out of the family. So you should be baptized in obedience to the Lord. Fourthly, yeah, I just throw this out as a bonus question. Can you, can you just write out a definition of justification? I mean, we had a reformation based on this word. And I sat in church with people. What, why don't you, what's justification? I was 19, and I learned this. Justification is that judicial act of God whereby he declares a hell-deserving sinner to be righteous based upon the imputed work of Christ. Now I want you to come up with a definition and give us your name next to it because we're going to come looking for you. Not really. Do you know what that is? Now, why, why would I need to know this? Acts 15, Romans, Galatians, and maybe Luke 18. The sinner went home justified. What did that mean? He went home justified. Why don't we know? Why don't you know? You can never minister with recirculating your ignorance. Why? You know everything you want to know. 
You know about everything you want to know. Some of you have more information about trivia than we can keep up with. Why don't you find out the mind, the mind, the Word of God in print. And it's just ink and paper and another book until the Spirit of God works in your heart. And with this book, He will literally turn you inside out. If you dare, if you dare, build on this. But you just owning the Bible doesn't mean you know the Bible. Why don't you know? When are you going to grow up, big boy? Been in church 20 years, and you know nothing. So if we dressed you appropriately, you'd wore a diaper to church because that's the age you are in your spiritual maturity. What a pitiful picture. It's about time to grow up. We're going home. We're going to see Christ. And I ask you, have you grown up yet? And you know when you've grown up, our dad's favorite words, you want to be treated like an adult, but act like a kid. What if we treated you according to your spiritual behavior? Can you help carry the load? Can you help reap the harvest? Or do you just judge the church by who is ministering to you, fussing over you? Or is it, I want to grow up, I want to mature in Christ, and we're not done with this series. We'll continue. It's all over the Bible. We want to grow up and be mature in Christ. Our Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you. It is a sharp cutting sword. It tells the truth. It never pampers because you're interested in making us like your son. And we've grown so used to everything being about us. Deliver us from the self-life, the flesh life, the me life. And let us say, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I ask you, Father, change me, change this precious group of believers. May the world quit ignoring that valley even exists, and may we get enough like Christ, they start accusing us of being Christians. May they accuse us, and may they be right. We want to pursue you like the deer pursues the water. We thank you for your goodness.